yeah, it's just it's just snow. I mean, it's just ceaseless soft snow. This is day three, and I'm 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 trapped. It just keeps building and building. So I it's it's I've been you know doing some writing and and some reading, but I I just can't seem to get out of here. So I hope you're uh, you're somewhere somewhere better. Well, gosh, that sounds uh, kind of hypnotic and frightening, and it's just very different from where I am. It's about, oh, it's mid-60s, and it's fairly fair, I should say. I'm in Georgia. I'm almost, I, I think, I'm, I'm thinking of it as like almost to Florida <laughs> for some reason in my mind. Um, yeah, it's... It's been an interesting trip. I, I came to this area to uh, check out this kind of smaller town. Uh, not sure if I'm comfortable saying the name of it due to circumstances tonight. There, there's been um, this kind of tradition ad- adopted where uh, the stories about how this, how and when this got started are, are quite varied, but. Well, this area is is often sort of thought about as being somewhat mysterious um, as far as, um, oh, you know, there seems to be a lot of uh, talk of UFO sightings and, uh, you know, underground tunnels and strange, uh, strange noises. Uh, apparently radio waves behave differently. You know, there's any number of different tales, but... So it's already kind of got an off-kilter reputation, but uh, this the, there is this practice of um, around the town and kind of out in some of the other community, kind of throughout the county, but concentrated in this town. Um, people will find little clues written down on pieces of paper, little on little notes, and uh, it, it's just kind of, it, it adds sort of a, an air of mystery it can be charming and also a little unnerving depending on what depending on what kind of clues you're finding and no one really no it's not you know no one knows to what clues to what um I, you know you get the feeling that uh pe- people are just kind of doing their best to quietly kind of keep this lure moving and going forward because it's it's kind of um you know it, it it's something that makes something else that makes this place unique. Um, and um, there there was something that had started to happen a few years ago and is still going on. You know, there were these forums where people were sharing the, the, the clues and the messages they were finding. And there's a, there's a fence where, you know, you can go and, and um, put, put notes up uh, that, you, that you have found. And, um, you know they're all sort of convincingly folded, and I mean I'm sure, I'm sure some people are just, just um, you know kind of randomly putting them putting them up to extend the, <laughs> this this ongoing uh, text. Now, as any modern city does, even even small towns, there are more, more and more occasions and kind of opportunities for for surveillance. Uh, you know, like there's, of course, cell phones, there's more cameras being placed here and there, like along roads. And um, 
oh, over parking lots, you know, security cameras, that kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes people would look at their footage, like at work or, or you know, at home, if they have, a, you know, like a doorbell camera. People would, would sometimes glance at their footage just to see if they, you know, could maybe spot some of this, uh, uh, you know, this, this, clandestine clue-leaving activity. And, you know, like, what? When, when are people doing this? What times of day are they doing, <laughs> are they doing this? Uh, you know, there'll be all sorts of places, like, tucked behind, you know, benches or loose stones or, like, wrapped around, you know, bus stop poles or even, um, like, in a, in a playground. Uh, just, just kind of anywhere. So you're always sort of on the lookout. After a while, it it became obvious that there there was a person that was doing this that was being predominantly spotted. Actually, I say predominantly. It was always the the same person when people started comparing, or it appeared to be as closely as anyone could tell. You know, sometimes they were um, just walking, but just glancing around for probably for, for a spot to hide something. Um, but sometimes they would just, like, stand there in the frame and just still and just look at the camera, just, like, stare right at where the camera is. Um, and then sometimes they would only appear... They wouldn't appear in the shot itself, but they would appear in reflective surfaces like if um you know depending on the time of day sometimes um you know a camera would be aiming at a street but it would catch a shop window um you know an antique shop with a mirror in the window something like that and you could see this person this figure in the mirror but nowhere but nowhere else um it was uh impossible to detect what was causing this effect uh or where you know, how this trick could be accomplished, if it was a trick at all, if it, you know, what was going on. Also, you know, just other mirror-like surfaces, like um, sometimes just reflected in the windows of businesses or, you know, just something, uh, something, something shiny. Um, uh, it's just very, <laughs> I, I don't quite, that, that's sort of where it's, that's where it's at. I don't quite know what to make of it. I'm talking to people and I'm looking at some, I'm looking at footage myself and I've, you know, I've got some notes that people have, have given me or have sent to me. I have a few here. Um, one of them says, look in the sky tonight. Um, this other one says, Ever wonder why there's no fourth floor at the bank? Um, you have to count the streetlights. I've loved you for a long time. Or uh, now it starts to, it seems to get a little dark, these last two. Look behind you. And uh, do you hear it now? There's one group in particular out here in this area who, um, they live on this farm. Uh, I'm actually 
very near them. I'm, I'm just, uh, just down the road. And they seemingly built kind of a mirrored structure of some sort or a shrine. And they keep kind of adding to it and extending it out and adding more and more mirrors. And apparently they think that somehow this will be the key to, uh, you know, understanding something about the forces of the universe out here or, you know, discovering something or communicating something, I suppose. Anyhow, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, there seems to be a lot of, activity going on over there at night you can see these flashes of light in the sky and uh you can hear them singing it should be enough to start to start a story but of course it can't be just that there has to be more and there is more we'll get to it Everything leads to the same place. It comes back around. He'd started having a strange relationship with a mirror. With mirrors, really. All of them. They were as different from each other as people, he thought. As the people in them. As what was seen. It seemed to him that no one ever talked about it. About the difference. And he wondered why. He stood in his yard at night, and the wind soured through the neighbor's willows, and the worms crawled in the thatch grass, and the trash along the streets was pulled down and drugged by rodents back to the swamp. He thought about them, about mirrors, and how they are supposed to double things, to multiply them, to make those things the same. He guessed that mirrors did that, or he guessed they sometimes did. But here was the problem, he thought, or one of them, one of the gaps. Nothing reflected is the same. It isn't even reversed really back on itself. It's not the same at all, in any mirror or surface, in any heart. He was trying to figure something out, but he didn't know what. What was there here to figure out? His housemates were soft-footed in the night and left mild traces of their mouths in the sink. The sweeping and the plates, mostly, were done. He worked hard enough, but not too much. He rallied contentedly around the fridge, the card table rug. But he was a human, and this was his time for a reflection. A time like other times, which looked so distinct and the same. And something had happened. He was so frightened by it he could hardly breathe. He was using his camera one morning. It was the weekend and nobody stirred and it was quiet and he liked the light. It was somehow more yellow and white and blue than he had ever seen. He was angling, experimenting, using a full-length mirror leaned shakily back against the blinds. He was trying to find things out about himself, about the world, about the tiny beat of his health and its place and insignificance to the wider field. And he looked after, and 
You may have guessed it by now. It seems so cheap. There was something behind him. It was curled and staring. It was awake and watching and shiny and sick. But it wasn't looking at him. It was looking at the mirror. It was bold and looking right in. It might have been there all night. There was a story went like this. If you wish to enter here, you'll need to clear your mind. I had a, well, I had one very, very disturbing experience involving mirrors once. So I'll, I'll tell that a little bit later. I have to kind of get my thoughts together about that. But I did want to mention one other thing that, that occurs to me. Years and years ago, I was helping someone with their doctoral thesis. Uh, we interviewed several serial killers about very sp specific topics, imprisoned serial killers. There was a, a man named... Um, Ed Bouillardelin, he was a serial killer in custody in uh, serving multiple life sentences in Baton Rouge. He, we had him into this extensive questionnaire. One of the questions was, well, list some things that you are afraid of. And one of the things on his otherwise predictable list, he wrote, he simply wrote the phrase weird mirrors. And uh, we asked him about this and so it turned out that Ed Bouillardelin had this real, a genuine terror of seeing himself reflected in any mirror of an extremely unusual shape. And the way he described it, I, I think the basis of his fear was that, you know, certain um, shapes of mirrors or even multiple mirrors on a wall, they appeared to be sort of cutting his body in many pieces because some of his body was not there. For instance, if a mirror was like in a, in a strange S shape, some sort of artistic shards kind of thing, they sort of bifurcated his body in ways that absolutely terrified him. And he was afraid to approach these mirrors. Um, it wasn't often that you see such a thing. It really is not. <laughs> Outside of some more adventurous architecture and buildings and so forth, maybe, maybe an art museum or something or an, art, an artistic display, but he was genuinely horrified by that. And I can almost understand that, to, to see oneself in a mirror, but instead of your the, the, the clean whole image of yourself being presented, it's, it's, it's slashed, parts of you are missing. And, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've always remembered that, Ed Bouillardelin. That is... Uh... That's fascinating. I, I've been trying to think of how to even put this. I, um, this whole subject has just been confusing to me. It, it just is, it seems so, I, can't, I, I, I haven't been sleeping. I don't know quite what it's been doing to my mind. It seems to be, you know, it, it, on the, on, at, the, at the outset, it seems like a simple idea, a simple subject, a simple object, a, a mirror, a thing that should be threatening. Um, it's, you know, this one-dimensional thing, but, but it, it is not. It, it is not. I, I can't quite get to the bottom of... Well, for instance, another thing about this town that's so um, unusual is that there have apparently been... I can't tell you the exact 
number, but many more cases of twins being born here in this part of the state um, than in other areas of kind of comparable population anywhere in the world, really. And and when I say twins, I, I don't mean just twins, but a particular kind of twin, the, the mirror twin or the mirror image twins. And this is where um, tw- it, it, twins in which their features appear asymmetrically or like on opposite sides. So when they look at each other, it's like they're looking in a mirror. And just that, just that idea, I, I, I can't stop turning around because it's like, um, it's supposed to be showing you what is the most familiar thing to yourself, yourself. But in reality, it's actually not showing you, it's showing you the opposite of the familiar or the reverse of the familiar. It's, it's backwards, you know, um, just on that one level, you know, at least how you sit in your own consciousness. It's like, they seem to be, uh, it's like the mirror is a riddle and an answer to the riddle. It is um, all the possibilities or no possibilities, you know, it's infinity or it's just uh, this flat tool, uh, this one planed tool. You know, I, I think of that, do you remember the story? I, Something about, you know, the dog, there's different versions, I know, but like the, there's a dog with a, um, walking over a bridge with a bone in its mouth and it looks down into the water and sees its reflection and it gets envy for it. It wants the bone that the dog in the, in the water has in its mouth. So in order to get, reach out and get it, the dog drops its bone and then, (laughs) (laughs) and it, uh, loses both bones. So there is, you know, there's this very popular, um, well, I mean, storied uh, and very effective um, use of this idea of the mirror as being, uh, as making an appearance in any kind of number of morality tales uh, throughout any kind of faith. Uh, you know, self-obsession being one of the most, as we know, deplorable uh, character traits. It's the whole you know, you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back, right? I, I don't, it, it just seems like a mirror and a mirror images can reflect and reflect and reflect and and just infinitely present to you whatever you are most prepared or unprepared and shocked to uh, see. Yeah, the... the the old uh, interior decorators trick of the, if you have big, big mirrors on the wall and say your living room, well, it makes the room look bigger. I remember initially thinking, well, that's come on. That's who's being psychologically fooled by that. But you know what? It works. The sense that you are in a much more open space, even though, you know, you know, you're just seeing a reflection of what, (laughs) <laughs> where you're standing it's true and, and your reality is a little bit expanded and it's nothing more than a piece of glass with a you know, a solid backing that's creating this illusion and i think if you were to um live in a house 
been in a living room like that for for 20 years you would still have that vague perception that you're in an open more of an open space uh creating its own little false universe every time i want to laugh when i hear that interior decorators tip i have to remind myself that well life and perception is far stranger than than we really think yeah you know there's this this uh, strange bar where i uh, grew up it's well first of all it's quite dark uh it's it's dark inside and especially you notice it if it's like the you know the light of the late afternoon and it's it's it, you walk into the interior and you, you really can't you really can't see for a few seconds you have to let your eyes adjust and so, uh, you know, not only is it very dark, but there are also a lot of mirrors placed around the environs. And, I, you know, they don't, you don't notice them right away, but they, but they really are kind of everywhere once you start to look, at least over the top part of the wall. And anyway, what, what this does, uh, coupled with the kind of um, enclosed space, is it makes me completely unclear of its dimensions. I could not tell you where it starts and where it stops. It's not that it necessarily is so sophisticated that it looks infinite or anything, but I don't, I really don't know where it starts and stops. And I have to, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess it, it, it works in this um, immersion kind of way. You know, you feel like you're sort of on an island or on Mars or, you know, and so of course, you know, why not buy another, another expensive drink? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was, I was doing, um, I was attending, yes, the karaoke, uh, um, the nightly karaoke there once. And, uh, I, you know, it was sort of lovely. I, um, uh, I, there was a, you know, it was my first time and I didn't really know what to expect. And so, um, a little, maybe about thirty minutes or so into the to the festivities, there was this young man who had, um, oh, you know, he was very, he was he was very decadently dressed. You know, he had like a feather boa, and I think some platforms, and he had just one of the one of the sections of mirror back there was a very seventies. You know, very uh, there is a section where it's ceiling to floor, and it's got those little um, oh. I don't know what the term for them is. They're probably, you know, where it, it appears that it's like, that it's kind of a stone um, or like slightly cracked, you know, there's these painted sort of um, kind of a lacy pattern throughout the mirror. And he was just kind of standing there at the mirror and just kind of dancing like with himself, you know, nothing very forceful, nothing very indulgent, but just kind of a nice, like, like he admits some kind of a friendly, um, you know, like a, a friendly dance partner, you know, some, some, a cultured company for the evening and they were just having a little a little dance uh it's a it's a it's a it's a strange place and it can also be quite wondrous the doctor opened her doors in the new year early january snow and ice still bit the road branches of trees still lace she spent a few lonely days moving things placing them there was something that flourished in the evening here, in the low part away from town, the sunk suburb grass, fat, mean geese bleeding in their fiberglass ponds. She could hear it traveling by, some repetition, some tune. 
Her ten o'clock showed up flushed with hurry and thin steam. She led him to the room with the mirrors. Stand just there, she instructed. She positioned a basket of glass behind him to show him the other ways he might appear to the world in the angles he ignored. He hated looking, and this was what he needed. For empathy. For pain. He left her office scraped and gulping on sheer muscle. His breath was bulky, ungraceful. Gone. Her noon arrived and looked around the space, hard. She sniffed the air, wrinkling her nose. But she was self-conscious about wrinkling her nose. And so then what became more important than any substandard thing she caught was the concealment of her detection of the substandard thing, and so on and on. She put off a jewel box perfume. The therapist arranged the mirror room according. This client confronted a view from above. She could see the top of her head, how small and clumsy she was, how like a thing. Because her problem was she thought both that she was God and that she wasn't God, but longed to be at the same time. It had ruined her friends. She left without scheduling, throwing promises back in a gauzy train. The three o'clock was stuck in between worlds. She talked back and forth, unsure where to land. She ran her palms along the side seams of her pants and over the round bones in her knees. I don't know if I'm big, small, or just right, she said. I'm confused all the time. When she went to the room with the mirrors, there was only one. A large one facing flat. Can you stay with me a minute? She asked the therapist. They stood, waited. This client left the office looking at her feet. But the first thing that happened, the first that day, and the thing which the therapist tried all day to compress, a man came in. It was just after nine. He was weird and light, with a stone-gray coat sitting stiffly on his arms. His eyes were big and bleached and black. And when he spoke, the vibration seemed all wrong, seemed carried, lugged from place to place. He was humanly groomed, but her skin raised. Where had he come from? The grain? A howling ditch? I walk by here sometimes. I think sometimes that I need to do that. I think I do. What's that? she asked carefully. Reflect like your sign says. Reflect, examine. He straightened to a wooden stake shape. But I'm often scared to, you see. Well, she said, we all are. He nodded desperately. I suppose, he said. Did you... Sorry. I'll leave now. I just... He faced her, placing his hands over his stomach. He was pale and wore no rings. I came to warn you. 
You won't like it here. You won't. You can't open these doors. You'll get cut. She stared at him. You'll bleed out and die. Get out of here, she said. I'll call the police. I will, yes. Thank you. He ran out through white cement. She straightened the calendar by the phone. It, like everything else in here, needed a shine. I think I fully remembered now um, the thing I wanted to, uh, to say, the thing that happened to me. Um, uh, are, you, are you familiar with the, uh, the Delezio house in uh, Capaci, Italy? Do you know, have you heard of that? Do you know the story there? No. Um, this was one of the more interesting alleged haunted houses that I've ever had anything to do with. I came along, uh, kind of late in the game research wise, but I did want to, I did want to see it and I did get the opportunity, opportunity to spend the night there once, uh, the Delessio house had one famous aspect, which was that, uh, some people who stayed in the house, passed through. I'm not, not sure exactly, I don't remember exactly how this started, but looking within the pipes of this otherwise completely normal three-story brownstone on a very quiet street, if you were to look within the pipes, some people would see a slight glowing and then they, they could see tiny living dioramas of little tiny humans living their lives. And um, people would report that what they were seeing was actually um, the D'Alessio family, the original D'Alessio family who built the house um, about 150 years ago. Uh, they met with a tragic end. Uh, but some people said that they, they could see in the interior of the of the pipes in the house, they could see little these little dioramas just just briefly, five, ten seconds at a time, and then they would wink out of existence. This was the entirety of the alleged haunting, and I had never encountered anything like this before. So I finally got permission to stay the night there alone. And like the vast majority of people who spent any time in the Delezio house, I heard nothing. I saw nothing. I encountered nothing. Uh, I looked within the pipes at all the the identified angles and locations that people in the past had very occasionally seen these strange images inexplicably. I didn't see anything. So I chalked it up to a, 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 another another in a long line of disappointments, really. But um, I woke up in the middle of the night alone one of the upstairs bedrooms uh, where two of the children uh, burned to death. I got up. I wasn't sure why I woke up. And I went into, went into the bathroom. And I stood in front of the mirror and I turned on the light. And almost immediately, I found myself sort of hypnotized by my own reflection, just staring at myself. I couldn't. Something was odd. Something was unusual. I didn't quite look like myself. 
And then little by little, I became smaller and smaller in that mirror. My image seemed to be shrinking, even though the background, everything behind me, the bathroom remained the same size. I physically seemed to be getting smaller. Second by second, over the course of, I'd say, minutes, my, my head, my shoulders, my entire body, I was shrinking as I stared myself, stared at myself in the mirror. And I was becoming tinier and tinier until I was just a little tiny thing that might have fit inside one of the pipes of the Delizio house. And I looked at myself, this tiny inch high thing in the mirror, and then I vanished. I was looking into a mirror, I was seeing the bathroom and I wasn't there. I, in this hypnotic state, I must have collapsed the floor because I woke up the next morning right there on the bathroom floor with only the vaguest memory of what had happened to me. It took a couple of days for all for it all to come back. From the mixed up lines of Grimm's fairy tales, number 53, Little Snow White. Once upon a time in midwinter, when the snowflakes were falling like feathers from heaven, a queen sat sewing at her window, which had a frame of black ebony wood. During the day, the girl was alone. Fortunately, it was almost evening. Then she began to run. She ran over sharp stones and through thorns, and wild animals jumped at her, but they did her no harm. Just then... A young boar came running by. I love you more than anything else in the world. But anyone who might eat a little piece of it would die. Are you afraid of poison? She barely had a bite in her mouth when she fell to the ground dead. Come with me to my father's castle. Their wedding was planned with great splendor and majesty. Two. After dark, the masters of the house returned home. Every morning they went into the mountains looking for ore and gold, and in the evening when they came back home, their meal had to be ready. Who's been sticking with my fork? Who's been cutting with my knife? Who has been eating from my plate? They lifted her up and looked for something poisonous. They undid her laces. They combed her hair. Then they put a pair of iron shoes into burning coals. But nothing helped. She was dead. She was not breathing at all. If you will keep house for us and cook, make beds, wash, sew, and knit, and keep everything clean and orderly, then you can stay with us and you shall have everything you want. Not long afterward, she opened her eyes, lifted the lid from her coffin, and was alive again. Yes, with all my heart. Three. They washed her with water and wine. She was forced to step into the red-hot shoes and dance until she fell down dead. Then they put the coffin outside on a mountain, and one of them always stayed with it and watched over her. 
The child liked it so much that she let herself be deceived, and she opened the door. She will soon know that you are here. Do not let anyone in. How did you find your way to our house? Three drops of blood fell into the snow. Four. You, my queen, are the fairest of all. You thought the wild animals will soon devour you anyway. But still, it was as if a stone had fallen from his heart, for he would not have to kill her. She had a magic mirror. A year later, the king took himself another wife. I never want to see her again. Kill her, and as proof that she is dead, bring her lungs and her liver back to me. The poor child was now all alone in the great forest and was so afraid that she just looked at all the leaves on the trees and did not know what to do. Five. A year later, the king took himself another wife. At first, she did not want to go to the wedding, but she found no peace. They were going to bury her. But she still looked as fresh as a living person and still had her beautiful red cheeks. At last, she thought of something. Knocking on the door, she called out, Beautiful wares for sale, for sale. Then she was satisfied, for she knew that the mirror spoke the truth. Then her envious heart was at rest, as well as an envious heart can be at rest. This time, she said, I shall think of something that will destroy you. Six. The wicked woman uttered a curse, and she became so frightened, so frightened, that she did not know what to do. Let me have the coffin. I will give you anything you want for it. Then, with the art of witchcraft, which she understood, she made a poisoned comb. You specimen of beauty, said the wicked woman. Now you are finished. She remained lying in it entrusted herself to God, and fell asleep. Seven. The envy and pride grew ever greater, like a weed in her heart, until she had no peace day and night. Take care and let no one in when we are not with you. Once again, they warned her to be on guard and not to open the door for anyone. Just then, a young boar came running by. Go on your way, I'm not allowed to let anyone in. And she walked away. As soon as the child was born, the queen died. The dear child was now dead. Then she remained dead. They said, we cannot bury her in the black earth. And they had a transparent coffin made so she could be seen from all sides. All seven sat next to her and mourned for her and cried for three days. We will not sell it for all the gold in the world. Eight. She ran as far as her feet could carry her, and just as evening was about to fall, she saw a little house and went inside in order to rest. Against the wall there were seven little beds, all standing in a row and covered with snow-white sheets. After dark, the masters of the house returned home. Good day, dear woman, 
what do you have for sale? And she took out one that was braided from colorful silk. Would you like this one? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who in this land is fairest of all?